Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. So glad you're here. This month, we're using Diana Butler Bass's book, Grateful, and we're going to be talking about different areas of gratitude in our lives, talking about it in terms not only of a, of a feeling that we get or a response that we have when wonderful things happen in our lives, but also talking about it as a spiritual practice, as something that we can do daily as a mechanism for really opening our hearts. And today I want to talk about this idea of it being both an emotion and a practice that comes from the heart. I think a good place, though, to start is with a short reading from the book. This is from the introduction. She says, What follows in these pages are not the findings of an expert, but the wonder and the surprise of someone who has discovered that, even in the middle of life, gratefulness can change things. A lot of things, really. Surprising things. Things that help me see my own life, my work, and the world from the perspective of gifts and responsiveness, empowering me with deeper resilience and a more profound sense of compassion for my neighbor's well-being, gratitude has made me more aware of the sacredness and the spirit present in all life, and life committed to both justice and even politics. And the book, I think, was interesting. It was written not during this presidential campaign, but the previous one. It was written and released in November uh, four years ago. And she refers to politics in the book often. She notes that the division of the country and some of the harsh criticisms that were going on four years ago, and that there was very little gratitude aloft in the world around civic duties and things like that. Well, of course, not much has changed in the last four years, really. And it's one of the reasons I chose this book, because it is a a blend of seeing what's going on in the country in terms of divisiveness and politics and a solution to it. Now, she talks about a couple different versions of gratitude, and she talks about the intersection of gratitude in our public life, and she plays up this idea of a gratitude gap. So let me explain the gratitude gap. She refers to a couple of surveys that were done. They were created and released in 2015. One survey was on gratitude, and the other one was to capture American attitudes. Well, the gratitude survey found that 80% of Americans enjoy a profound sense of gratitude at least once a week. So at least once a week, the survey found that the average American, 80% of us anyway, would find a moment or two of profound gratitude at least once a week. The other survey on American attitudes found that Americans had never been more anxious, less optimistic, and more distrustful of the world around them than ever before. And so this she portrays as the gratitude gap. How can, how can we, if on average we're finding this level of gratitude in our lives on a weekly basis and it's profound, how can we then at the same time 
see our world as so divisive that, that it brings up anxiousness in it, that we're, we're on pins and needles about what's going on in the world. And, and of course, these surveys were even done before we had a pandemic to contend with and the current political environment, right? And, and some of the racial injustice that's also fueling public opinion and, and trouble in the world right now. So how do we explain profound gratitude at the same time is profound distrust and anxiousness. Well, she calls this the gratitude gap, and she explains it by talking about gratitude in two different forms. And I I, I think in order to introduce this, I probably should tell my Sunday joke. So one Christmas, a mother decided she was no longer going to hound those children into writing thank you notes. She just wasn't going to do it anymore. And as a result, grandmother never received acknowledgement of the generous checks that she had written to the grandchildren. Well, the next year, things were different. The children came over in person to thank me, the grandparent told a friend. It was lovely just to feel their gratitude in person. How wonderful, the friend exclaimed. What do you think changed their minds? Oh, that's easy, the grandmother replied. It's no big secret. This year, I just didn't sign the checks. And so that illustrates one of the two forms of gratitude that Diana Butler Bass talks about. She calls that I gratitude. And so I gratitude is when someone does something special for us, someone generally that we know, and and it's a very personalized thing just for us. Someone loans us a car when we're without a car. Someone does include a check in that, that holiday greeting. Someone prepares a special meal for us. We generally don't have to look any further than our own family, our own friends. Someone takes us out to dinner. Someone does something sweet for us. And without us even thinking about it, there's that just that delicious sense of, of being loved. And, and, and of course, that love then brings up the further emotion of gratitude. What a lovely thing to have happened. What a sweet person who sought me out and did that good deed or that good favor. And you'll see the idea of of I gratitude is it really is affecting you personally with someone intending it generally to affect you personally. Someone does you a favor or a good deed or just some sweetness out of the, just the goodness of their heart. Once again, that word heart comes up when we talk about gratitude because it really is a matter of the heart. It's a, it's a gift that is so freely given and a gift that, that just touches our heart. And, and so without us even thinking about it, gratitude wells up. That idea of, oh my gosh, what a sweet and wonderful thing. I'm just so grateful. And often our gratitude is even tied to that person or event, right? If we were to finish the sentence stub, I'm so grateful for, right? It would be, I'm so grateful for that caring nephew. I'm so grateful that my husband or my wife made that special meal. I'm so grateful for the birthday present or so grateful that someone went out of their way to do this favor for me. And so you can kind of see this thing happened and because of it, I react 
with gratitude. This person did something very sweet for me. It's my natural reaction to that particular situation and to that person's gift of time or, or talent or treasure, whatever it might be. It's our natural response to that. So it's a stimulus and then a personal response to it. We perceive the stimulus as personal and our heart wells up with gratitude as the response to that. There's another form of gratitude, though, that she talks about. This is the one where this gratitude gap comes into play. She calls it we gratitude. And the idea of we gratitude is something that we, all of humanity, all of us, can be grateful for. So it might be gratitude for clean water or appropriate Uh, sanitation facilities in your cities or in your town. It might be gratitude for for clean air and uh, having firefighters that exist in order to come to your home when needed. It might be gratitude around the, the police that are there to keep the peace. It might be gratitude for your elected officials doing a, a good job of, uh, of the many things that need to be taken care of for your local community or your, your national interests to be upheld. This we gratitude covers everything from politics to even how we pay our bills, right? Gratitude for the electric company as I'm writing out my check to them for providing the electricity that we're enjoying today. Gratitude for the people that created this carpet. They didn't do it specifically for me, but it was a gift to the world and the world is receiving it. Now here is where Ms. Bass claims we've got a kind of a gap going, especially in America right now. That when we talk about 80% of Americans feeling a profound level of gratitude every week, she's guessing that it's more the high gratitude, that we're noticing the people specifically doing things for us and having our heart opened by that, but at the same time having our heart closed to some of the good that's out in the world more generically coming our way, the we gratitude. And she sees this difference. She sees our either our inability or our unwillingness right now to feel the gratitude for, for so much goodness in the world as, a, as part of the trouble in the world. Her thought is that one of the theses of the book that I love is the idea that as we begin to express and notice more of the we gratitude, then our attitude can start shifting. We begin to not focus in on those few things that politically and socially are going so very wrong. Instead, we focus on the great majority of our lives in the world that is actually going pretty darn well. And so when we can uh, spot that gratitude, again, more collectively for things that are so important, like clean water, like fresh air, like the ability to own property, like the ability to be safe in our homes, and so on and so forth, when that level of gratitude is in our hearts, then it's not just in response to specific things that have to happen. Then it's the open heart being grateful really for the bulk of life and all of the goodness in it. You know, it's interesting in the political scene right now how much divisiveness there is. 
And I think that colors our thinking in a way that is either omitting or, or missing the point of how wonderful living in this beautiful country that we have is right now. There is so very, very much that is going well and supporting the people here. I know we're embroiled in a lot of controversy right now, and, and it's appropriate, right? We do have to take some action on some of the social issues that are up for us, some of the political decisions that uh, need to be made. And in fact, as this is being recorded and broadcast right now, we're right on the eve of a major election with a lot of significant issues up. And yet, and yet, for all that drama, for all the things that seem so wrong in the world right now, if you were to really list out the things that were going well, if you were to take a moment with some paper and pencil and exhaustively list out all of the things about America that are going well, it would dwarf that list of complaints. Truly, when you look around the world, this is the most amazing and, and seemingly blessed place to live. And although right now we're perhaps focusing on some differences, and it's appropriate that we look at some of the things that need to be addressed today, gosh, let us not lose sight of some of just the wonderful things going on here. There's perhaps no other country in the world that, that has the level of affluence that we have, or very few others. There's a, perhaps very few countries in the world that, that has the levels of, uh, of education and other things. We're, we're always in the top ten of countries in, in so many different ways of benefits and, and safeties and opportunities. I know that that's not true for all. I know we have some work to do, right? Uh, I'm not attempting to say that things are perfect here in the United States, and uh, you don't have to look very far in the news media to find things to point fault at. But I am here to tell you that by and large, this is a wonderful place to be. And that we can, and perhaps I would suggest should, put some of our energy into recognizing the good that's here right now. One of the things I think that is so important is to have an open heart. Uh, when our heart isn't open, we're not ready to receive. And no matter how you look at it, that is, that's a simple truism that's backed up by brain science, that's uh, backed up, uh, of course, in the spiritual world, that when our heart is open, it's open to new ideas. It's open to giving. It's open to receiving. It's open to expressing greater love and greater affiliation and connection with others. And when it's closed, of course, we're apt to miss out on opportunities. We're going to be deflated collecting the love and the good that may be all around us. And this uh, gratitude gap that she talks about, really, it's portraying that cognitive dissonance of, can I be both grateful and anxious and accusative and angry at the same time? And of course, the answer is no. If we really want to be able to receive and perceive the good life, I suggest that our lives, our hearts, need to be open most of the time. This month, I think we're going to have a little fun talking about this idea of we gratitude and how we might build more of it into our lives, how we might more consistently have that open-hearted position. 
how we might still be able to address issues that need to come up, certainly, but not see the world as it's, as it's filled with pain and, uh, and destruction and anxiety. Rather, see that those things exist. They do need to be addressed. But let us raise on high the so very, very many things that are going well. It's truly as we open our heart, as we put out those, uh, those signals and those beliefs in the good-natured part of our lives, that that is magnified and returned to us. So to summarize today, we've started our study of gratitude. And we learned about two types of gratitude. The I gratitude that arises when we receive a personal blessing. You can think of that as the grandmother with the check gratitude, if you remember the joke, right? When someone does something special for you, it's like your heart immediately opens and you have that sense of gratitude back towards that person or that situation. But there's another kind called we gratitude that arrives when we perceive a non-personal or just a group blessing, the things that are so wonderful on this planet, a beautiful sunrise, a, a gorgeous walk in nature, the safety of living in your own home, the, the knowledge that you have enough food to eat and clean water and, and good sanitation facilities that so many people in the world don't have. It is that ability to see beyond some of the immediate issues and sense that underlying pride that we can have in a, in a country based on democracy. Even right now, although there's a lot of squabbling about voting and how to vote, what a pleasure and a privilege it is to have the opportunity of voting, right? It's like we, we pass right over some of the major blessings and find those few faults. Diana Bass tells us that the relative lack of this we gratitude, of the things that we all can be grateful for, is causing a gratitude gap. And that's partially responsible for the anxiety, the distrust, and the anger that we're seeing in America right now. It's as though we're waiting for things to improve and then we'll be grateful, right? It's like we're equating weak gratitude to I gratitude. I'm not going to be grateful to grandma until the check comes. Well, well, here we are as Americans seemingly saying, I'm not going to be grateful for all the wonderful good we have until everything's perfect. Well, things are never going to be perfect. There will always be those outliers. We'll always be seeking and noticing some of the things that aren't quite right. But I'm here to say most of things are actually going well. Finally, we learned that we don't have to wait for that gratitude experience, right? And we'll be talking more about that this month, ways that we can begin bolstering our sense of we gratitude so that our hearts remain open, that this idea of matters of the heart can guide us into really seeking out and experiencing our good by praising more of the world. Well, I do have a bit of a homework for you. I think it's an easy one, and I hope you have some fun with it. So this week, what I'd like you to do as you pay your bills or purchase things, I'd like you to consciously notice and evoke gratitude. So let's say you're paying your, uh, I don't know, your electric bill. Oftentimes, we look at our bills almost as a, as a negative obligation, like, oh, darn it, here's some of my money going again. 
But if you really think about it, how would it be without electricity? Can you imagine all the thousands of people that have strung the wires and built the, uh, I don't even know the right words for all the parts of the electric system, right? I know poles and wires, but there are substations and generators and inverters and all kinds of stuff that I don't even know where it comes from. But what I do know is a vast array of people have put together this electrical grid, almost like magic that I get to use. What a blessing it is to pay that bill every month and have everything just work. And so that's my, uh, my bit of a challenge. That's my assignment for you this week. As you're paying your bills or as you're purchasing things in stores, see if you can bring up that sense of gratitude for what's going on. Gratitude for the electricity. Gratitude for the things in the store that are just magically on the shelves for you to purchase grateful for all of the small little things in life that we take for granted as we pay our bills and as we make purchases. So that's your homework for this week. Well, I'd like to close today with a quote from the book and a prayer. This is from Diana Butler Bass's Grateful and the conclusion of the first section. She says, to feel gratitude is not the caboose of some faith train. Honestly, it's the beginning to feel appreciative awareness of our own lives and to feel that awareness in the lives of those all around us is rather like being reborn. As we look to ourselves, our experiences, and the world, we see with eyes of surprise and wonder. Pay attention to those who have suffered and who have found gratefulness. Listen to the voices and songs of the marginalized, the thanksgivings of those who have been abused and oppressed. Embrace the sorrows of your own heart. These are the teachers of gratitude. These are the matters of the heart. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, just this one thing. It's expressed through every person, every place, everything, every situation. It's all based on God. It's all God moving through the universe. And of course, that means me. It means each one of us. Each one of us is a centralized part of the consciousness of God itself. And this consciousness is always giving, right? Giving in the, uh, the grace of the seasons changing. Giving in the abundance of life expressing before us. Truly, it's God's good grace to give all and to all. And so on this day, I claim for myself and I claim for for everyone hearing this message that the gifts of Spirit are present always and that we can claim them. We can notice them. We can hold them on high and bless them. We can say to ourselves, what a beautiful, beautiful sunrise. What wonderful electricity I get to use this month. What clean water and air I get to have and use. Truly, each one of us has that ability to look beyond taking for granted the good around us and focus just on that gratitude that comes from the open heart. And so I give thanks for this awareness. I give thanks for the blessings of God in all of their their multitude of forms. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. 
Thank you so much for being here today. What a pleasure to have you. I just wanted to point out that we are gratefully receiving your gifts and tithes. You can make a donation online at cslportland.org slash donate. And of course, we also accept donations from Tithely and even the, those good old-fashioned things called checks in the mail. So thank you so much. If you'd like, you can repeat after me as an acknowledgement of just the blessing of gifts. Graciously I give from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I surely receive. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.